Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. Glad you're here this week and ready to study the Bible with us. And that's what we do for you long-time viewers. You know what to expect. We take viewers' questions and try to find answers in the Bible. If you're with us for the first time, just watch a little while and you'll figure out how it works. There's a phone number and a web site on the bottom of the screen. You can use those anytime you want to get in touch with us. Tell us what's on your mind, any kind of question about life or the Bible that uh, you think the Bible might have an answer for, we'll try to find that answer for you. So give us a call or log on and let us know what you'd like us to talk about. When I say us, I mean me and my partner, Toby Lever. And good morning, Toby. Hi, Steve. Glad you're here and ready to go. I'm Steve Tandy, and we've got uh, a bunch of questions saved up that we're going to try to get answered as fast as we can. But we always start with one for our audience. If you know just a little bit of Bible and the character in the Old Testament, Rachel stole something from her father, Laban. And if you know what that was, we'll... Uh, cover that at the end of the program, see if you got it right. So, what did Rachel steal? All right, got a question about dogs to start yeah, we with. Get, we get all kinds. questions on here. We get questions about all sorts of things. <laughs> a viewer asked the question, does the Bible say we shouldn't have dogs as pets? And it took me a little while to kind of ascertain what was being asked here and where this might possibly come from, but I think I did find it. And it it, the, first of all, the Bible does not say that. The Bible does not tell us uh, anything about really uh, if we can have pets or not and all of that. But what this question stems from is uh, probably a bad interpretation, a bad translation of the King James Version of Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 18. And to help our viewers understand what I mean by that, we're going to look at Deuteronomy 23:18 on the screen. But we'll look at it in two different versions. Uh, the first is the King James versions, King James version, which says, "Thou shalt not bring the hire of a whore or the price of a dog into the house of the Lord thy God for any vow. Even both though these are an abomination unto the Lord thy God." Now, um, the King James version is a translation uh, using the uh, 1611 English. And so there's a lot of words that we don't use in the modern vernacular. And when you use a little more modern English translation, uh, the NIV, uh, here's one, what it translates that same verse. You must not bring the earnings of a female prostitute or of a male prostitute into the house of the Lord your God to pay any vow because the, the Lord your God detests them both. 
Now, you look at always, as we say on this program, context is key. It helps us to understand, but basically what, what it's saying here is you take earnings from wicked behavior and use them for godly purposes. That does not please the Lord. So it's not talking about pets. It's a, it's a, a euphemism for someone who practiced homosexuality uh, for, for pay and taking that those earnings and giving them to the Lord. So... Uh, no, it's not say we can't have pets. Uh, the, it helps us always as we look at verses that we might not understand to get another English translation. Sometimes just the way they, a uh, different word or a slightly different arrangement of those words will help us understand it a little bit better. I always uh, tell people, check out BibleGateway.com. You can look at almost all modern English translations and, uh, and compare them, and, and sometimes that will help you in your study. All right, thank you, Toby. I got one about prayer here. A viewer wants to know: Do you have to bow your head to pray? Well, that's a good question, and a lot of people do bow their heads to pray, and uh, kind of a custom thing. But no, the short answer is no. You don't have to bow your head to pray. Now we teach children to bow their head when we're starting out a young child and. We sit down at the dinner table, we say it's time to pray, and we, we teach them to fold their hands or put their hands together and then bow their heads. And that's a good thing, but it's really for them, not for God. Uh, we know that helps them concentrate. If you didn't teach them that, if you just said it's time to pray and left them alone, they would be looking all around the room and thinking about all sorts of things. Uh, in fact, they still do sometimes. <laughs> in fact, if you ask a child to pray before the meal, they may look around and just think of everything they can see and thank God for the forks and the spoons and the salt and the pepper and uh, everything on the table, which is absolutely fine. Uh, the point is God sees their heart, uh, not the position of our heads. And that's the key. He's He knows what we're thinking and what we're concentrating on. Now, all of the body positions and the head bowing and uh, everything else we might do is for us. It helps us concentrate. It helps us focus, uh, perhaps. And it also indicates uh, what our heart is like. It's, it is an indicator of our reverence. Uh, when we bow our head, we're acknowledging that we're speaking to someone greater than us. So it's a sign of our reverence, uh, but you don't have to bow your head to pray. In fact, I've looked through for a list of all the different prayer positions I could find in the Bible, and here's some of the ones you can find in the Bible. People pray while they're sitting, uh, kneeling, bowing, standing, walking. Uh, some one person talked about uplifting your hands to God, and there's a number of cases of people falling prostrate, falling down on the ground, uh, and that's an indicator of their attitude, indicator of their heart. Uh, usually, it's somebody that's asking for forgiveness, that's done something wrong, and is approaching God for forgiveness, and it says they fell flat on the ground. Uh, to indicate their submission to God. So body position is not necessary. Uh, it's a good indicator, and it's a help to us to show our reverence to God, but don't have to bow your head. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question a viewer wants to know about is, why would God have bears kill children? 
Uh, it's always funny to me to get a question like that, especially if you don't know, if you're not familiar with the Bible. It sounds like such a strange uh, thing that God would do. And uh, those who are regular Bible readers, and especially if you've read through the Old Testament, uh, would be familiar with this story, probably, perhaps. It's a strange story from Second Kings chapter 2. Uh, the prophet Elijah has been taken up, and his assistant, his helper, Elisha, is now taking over his work. And as he's going along, uh, we'll read this on the screen, uh, the scripture records this. And from there, Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Get out of here, Baldy, they said. Get out of here, Baldy. He turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. Well, this is, like I said, it's a sort of an unusual story, but uh, for every uh, man suffering with male pattern baldness, I feel a little bit of, uh, yes, got him. Uh, it's an unusual, uh, admittedly, story in the story of a prophet, why it's in there. Uh, first of all, as we look at the original language, uh, the scriptures indicate that these were not children. These were not five, six, seven-year-old children uh, just having children's fun. The, the, the word there probably means teens who are older or men who were what we would refer to as men in their late teens, 18, 19, 20, or their early 20s. These are not young children. And what they're doing there is... Um, deeply disrespecting uh, a prophet of the Lord. Uh, Baldy was an insult. In fact, probably some people today would still consider that a, uh, an insult. Um, it was an, an epithet of, of scorn and derision. Uh, they were effectively showing no respect for Elisha and his role as now the prophet of God. And they were taunting him and insulting him. And whether they knew that Elisha, I, I think in my read of this and study of it, I think they knew who Elisha was. And they were just saying, we don't respect you. We don't, you know, we don't get out of here. We don't see you as the prophet of the Lord. And so what he did was he called the Lord to handle it. Now, he did not specifically call, uh, when you look at the scripture, he didn't call for uh, bears to maul the boys. He called, the scripture says, he looked at them and called down a curse on them in the name of the, of the Lord. Then two bears came out and mauled 42 of the boys, of the, of the young men. So what he did there was say, he just looked to the Lord and he said, God, you know, help me out with this. And God helped him out with that. Um, you may ask, well, does this always work? Um, well, not in that specific way, uh, not in the sense that God will always uh, deeply avenge all those who curse you and disrespect you. But I think God does handle things uh, when we have enemies and we have people who are constantly uh, persecuting us or making fun of us, perhaps. Uh, there might be a lesson here of letting God handle those things. And if it's really an issue, uh, God will handle it exactly in the right way. So um, the lesson for us is, number one, respect the Lord's authority 
and respect those who God has put in authority. Uh, and number two, realize how seriously God takes the issue of reverence and respect. And I think those are important lessons to learn. So a strange story, but there it is, Second Kings chapter 2, verse 23 through 25. Hope that helps. All righty, thank you. Let's talk about a good way to study the Bible. And uh, we mention this every week because we believe in home Bible study and individual Bible study and personal Bible study. And we've got some tools that we're happy to share with you that we think make that easier. Uh, this course we've been offering for many, many years. It's an eight-lesson set that starts with the Old Testament and the New Testament and then takes you through some other topics. It's a good overall Bible study. And we've got some more advanced studies that uh, once you get through that introductory ones, you can go on to these and they get a lot more detailed and some of them are a lot longer. Uh, you can learn a lot of Bible with Know Your Bible study tools. And we've recently added a new uh, online course that you can get a hold of. You just uh, go to oneway.worldbibleschool.org and we'll connect you with the uh, online way to study the Bible, and it's a different study, but it's a great one too, and some people don't want paper coming through the mail, and this is a good, great way to study online, and uh, you can learn a lot about the Bible very quickly with these Know Your Bible study tools. So we're happy to offer those. Like I said, all of them are absolutely free of charge, uh, no cost to you at all. If you take the mail version, we'll even pay the postage for you, so no, no cost to you. Uh, use the phone number on the screen, log on to our website, or go directly to that online uh, World Bible School website, and you can start studying the Bible very quickly. All right, question about the plan of salvation. Viewer says, explain what you mean uh, by the plan of salvation. And we may have said that a time or two on this program. I'm not sure, but we probably have. We sometimes use shorthand that we are used to saying and think people understand it. So we appreciate somebody saying, what's that mean? What is the plan of salvation? Well, let's look at the big picture first. Uh, the big picture is in a verse that probably everybody almost knows, John 3.16. And listen, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Uh, for God didn't send his Son into the world to contemn the world, but to save the world through him. So there's the plan of salvation. That's the big picture. Uh, how do we get saved? How do we have eternal life? Uh, God sent his Son to die for us, and we believe in him, and we have eternal life. That's the plan of salvation. Now, the Bible goes a little further than that. I said that was the big picture. Uh, but, for instance, on the day of Pentecost, when Peter told the people in Acts chapter 2 that they were lost, that they had killed the Son of God, and they needed forgiveness, they said, what do we do? Well, that's what they were asking. They said, well, what's the plan? You know, how do we get this salvation? Well, Peter didn't just quote John 3.16 to them. He explained to them they had to do something. Uh, what he said directly there was he said you need to repent and be baptized. And throughout the New Testament, there are a number of verses that say, uh, here's what you need to do to receive salvation. Now, some people don't like to 
even talk about that because they think we can't do anything to earn salvation. I didn't say earn salvation. I agree. We can't do anything to earn salvation, but we can do some things uh, to receive salvation, to indicate to God that, yes, we want salvation. And I made a list of scriptures that we'll put on the screen here. Here are some of the things the Bible says uh, that are man's part in the plan of salvation, if you will. God's done his part. He sacrificed Jesus. And here's our part. Romans 10, 14, 15 says you have to hear the word. Uh, you can't believe if you don't hear it. John 3.16 says you need to believe it once you hear it. And that's in the, the big picture. Acts 17.30 says you need to repent. Romans 10 and 9 says who, you need to confess that Jesus is Lord. You need to tell people, yes, he's my Lord. And in Acts 2.38 and a number of other places, it says you need to be baptized. So you take all those together and you can call that uh, a plan of salvation. Now, you can certainly do those things in front of men. You can do them to be seen and not be saved at all. So that's not the way it works. It's about God and your heart. We understand that. But when we talk about the plan of salvation, we're talking about man's part. Uh, what does God expect of us? God's done his part. What are we supposed to do? So that's what we mean by the plan of salvation. And if you want more details about that, uh, let us know or take the Bible Correspondence course and some of the courses go into that in uh, much more detail and help you understand that. But that's the plan of salvation. All right. Uh, the next question the viewer asks is, if a prayer is not, ended in with, is not ended with in Jesus' name, is it heard? Well, uh, uh, yes, it is heard. Uh, it is common fairly common to hear that in a, especially in a Christian setting, a worship setting that as people pray they will end with saying in Jesus name. Uh, that's something that, that uh, people have added uh, because of some scriptures uh, that we want to ask God for things in Jesus name. But no, it's not a formula that's biblical. You won't see many prayers that uh, formalize the prayer in that way. I've heard people pray and they'll say at the beginning of the prayer, Father, we come to you today in the name and the authority of Jesus. And then they'll go on to send the prayer and end it with amen. Uh, there's no exact formula uh, for a prayer. Uh, there, Jesus gave us a model prayer, but that wasn't something that he intended to be uh, rep repeated just without meaning. He, he gave it to us to say, here's some things to pray for. Here's some things to think about as you pray. And so the Bible doesn't in any uh, scripture give us a exact formula, but it's fine to pray in Jesus' name. It's, uh, but to understand the purpose of it is, is the real point. When we're going to God, we're able to do that because of Jesus, because of his life, because death and his resurrection, and therefore by his authority, by his name, uh, we're able to ask God for the things that we ask of him. Uh, that is made possible because of Jesus' sacrifice for us. Uh, Jesus said when he, right before he left this world in John chapter 14, he was telling his disciples uh, some final instructions. And we'll look at this on the screen, John chapter 14, uh, verse 14. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. And so I think people take that 
the scripture and and have just over time added the phrase in Jesus' name, uh, which is fine, but it's not a, a formula that has to be recited. Uh, praying by Jesus' authority gives us boldness to ask God for things, and it reminds us of the purpose and the power of prayer. And I think also the final thing is reminds us to pray like Jesus. And, you know, some people think, well, if I just ask for God for a million dollars in Jesus' name, uh, then that's going to happen. Well, listen, you're, you're asking for something for your glory and for your pleasure. That's not how Jesus prayed. Uh, Jesus said, Father, not what I will, but what you will. And so that prayer was designed to align our wills to the will of the Father. Uh, but to do th that in, in Jesus' name is a good thing to do. So that's a fine way to pray, and, uh, but there's, diff you know, there's no formula for it in the Bible. All righty, let's talk about the ark and the animals on the ark. Viewer wants to know, why did Noah take unclean animals on the ark? Uh, why not just take the clean to make the earth better? Well, when I got this question, I admit I'd, I'd never thought of it that way, and I had to think about it just a little bit. Uh, I have wondered why he took some things like mosquitoes and skunks and things that I see no use for at all, but uh, God had a purpose in all that. But this viewer's uh, got an interesting question, but uh, there's one little flaw in his thinking, I think. Uh, he's thinking that clean uh, is good and unclean is bad. Uh, that's not what the Bible means by clean and unclean. Uh, clean and unclean had more to do with health and safety than it did with good or bad. Uh, you, the Israelites could eat clean animals, and they couldn't eat unclean animals. Well, we know today, uh, now with the science we've got and all the in information about diseases and all that, that uh, most of the unclean animals are much more prone to carrying diseases and uh, hurting humans' health if we eat them. And some of them today, we can cook the meat properly and all that and be safe. But uh, back then, it was dangerous to eat some of those things. So that's the difference between clean and unclean. It doesn't mean good uh, or bad. Now, I'll give you the verse that answers your question. Why did Noah take unclean animals on the ark? Uh, the real answer is he was told to by God, but God also tells us the reason. So let's look at Genesis chapter 7, verses 2 and 3, and here's God's orders. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate. And then it skips a little bit, and then it says, the reason for this is to keep their offspring alive on the face of the earth. So God's plan was to have all these animals, and they all fit in the scheme of things somewhere. Some of them we don't understand, like mosquitoes. I don't know what they're good for at all. But God said, well, I'm going to keep their offspring alive on the earth. So he did. Uh, cattle and sheep and chickens and certain kinds of fish uh, were clean. The Israelites could eat them. Uh, certain things like pigs and dogs and cats and uh, rats and shellfish uh, were a little more dangerous, and God said those are unclean. Well, today we know uh, how to cook those things. If we, well, some of them we know how to cook, and uh, we can eat them safely. So 
That's the difference between clean and unclean. God has a purpose for all creatures. He created them for a reason, and he wanted to keep their offspring alive on the earth. Let me take this moment and invite you to visit the Church of Christ near you. We like to recognize uh, one or two each week that help support this program. And today, let's talk about our partners up in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We're up on, in the market broadcasting from Sioux Falls and uh, the church on uh, Southeastern Avenue there. The Southeastern Church of Christ is a great help to us. There are partners up there and take care of a lot of the business in the South Dakota area and help uh, uh, grade your courses and do the things that need to be done up there. And we appreciate them and their help. And if you live in that neighborhood, uh, drop in and visit them sometime. Tell them that you heard about them on Know Your Bible, and you watch the program, and you appreciate it. Of course, any market you're in, there's probably a Church of Christ close to you. We invite you to drop in and visit them and uh, tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible. All right, what do you got, Toby? Oh, pretty easy question. Uh, someone wants to know, how does God perceive transgender people? I speak sort of tongue-in-cheek there because anytime we get a question about why God or what does God think or how does God perceive this or that, be careful there on uh, you know anyone taking the view of speaking for God. But the question of how does God perceive transgender people is a question that has come uh, from our modern culture uh, as people begin to say, well... Uh, there's a difference between sex and gender and all of this. and I, It's just crazy to me. It, it doesn't make sense at all. Uh, but God loves all people. Uh, there's not a person that God has created uh, that he does not care for and, and did not create in his image. Now, after he creates them, whether they choose to live according to his will and under his uh, uh, will for their lives uh, is up to them. And uh, not everyone makes that choice. And that displeases God. He doesn't love them any less. Because he knows, knows that not living according to his will won't be a, a blessing to them, and it will cause them a lot of emotional and physical harm. And uh, that's not good. God wants us to, to have blessed lives. Um, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the way God creates the person is the way God creates a person as far as what what biological sex they are. If God creates you as a male, you're a male. If God creates you as a female, you're a female. Uh, in fact, that's what the scripture tells us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Uh, we'll look at that. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them in male and female he created them. Uh, he still loves transgender people, uh, but they will not be able to change what God has created them to be. They may not be able to change the hormones and have surgeries and all of that stuff, but at, at the uh, cellular level, at the DNA level, you're going to be what God has created you to be. Uh, so I'm, I think we'll be do best to, to stick in line with our original biology and uh, uh, live a, the life that God wills for us. So uh, God loves them. They're still creating God's image, but trying to deviate from how God created them is going cause some problems. Yeah. All right, let's squeeze one more in. Where does it say that good deeds cover a multitude of sins? Well, it doesn't say that, but there is a verse pretty close. So let's look at 1 Peter 4, 8. And it says, above all, love each other deeply, because love 
covers over a multitude of sins. Okay, you can't do good deeds to make up for a sin. That's not the way it works. But what that verse is saying, that is, if you love someone, uh, you kind of cover over things. You don't keep account of it, is what 1 Corinthians 13 says. Love keeps no count of wrongs. Uh, if your child do, does something wrong, I might think, little Brad ought to be spanked. If it's my grandchild, I might say, oh, well, they're doing the best they can and everything's fine. I cover over things. All right, let's get our trivia question answered today. What did Rachel steal from her father Laban? When she left home, she took the household of gods, and uh, Laban caught her for that. We're glad you've been with us today. I invite you to be back next week on Know Your Bible. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.